Hi everyone, welcome back to Fit Literate. I'm Carolyn. And I'm Laura. How you doing, Laura? I am doing all right. You know, it's a pretty gloomy day here in New York, but I've got my matcha latte. We're sitting down to chat. It's it's going to be good. How are you, Excellent. Carolyn? I am doing all right. I mean, you are aware of the technical difficulties I was just having, but I think we just found uh, we found some solutions. So doing okay. Seems like we hit the sweet spot. We're both sitting on top of our Wi-Fi router. So hopefully <laughs> this will be clear. <laughs> Doing whatever is necessary to get the content to the listeners. I'm sure we could just catch up forever, but I want to get into today's topic, Absolutely. which I'm so excited about. I had I so much fun doing research for this. I don't know about you. This is like the topic. I, I know. I will say I tried to stay away from heavy-handed like research too much because first of all I feel like just existing on the internet is research on this topic and the second I yes. started googling I kept getting um like dissertations about this topic like what we're gonna do here today <laughs> so I was like you know what we're going in blind we're going in with like a civilian's experience of uh of this trend and we'll see where it goes from there but yeah. I do have a couple interesting things to pull up so I can't awesome. wait so to, uh... yeah so we are talking <laughs> about we are talking about the that girl trend which um primarily exists on TikTok so if you are not a TikTok user you might not even know what the heck we're talking about but we will explain it um but yeah before we get in I do just want to give the caveat kind of like what Laura was just saying like we are not academics we are not like professional researchers like this isn't going to be like an overly scientific deep dive this is this is our opinions on this topic as internet users and fitness and wellness professionals so just keep that in mind like if you don't agree with everything we're saying like that's totally fine like this is just like ask us again tomorrow and we probably won't agree with what we're saying so exactly, <laughs> we change our exactly. minds so but fast we'll cite something if you beg <laughs> <laughs> Um, but so Laura, tell us about that girl. Who is she? We don't know. That's the problem. Um, so the <laughs> that girl trend, if you're over the age of like 23, the that girl trend is like the Gen Z iteration of your Pinterest board from whenever. Um, that girl is... When I started Googling, because I was like, okay, how can we define this? We need to define this. And I think this is part of the problem of the trend is that she's vaguely, uh, she's vague. She's undefinable. She's right? undefinable. <laughs> she's got the je ne sais quoi. She's the the it girl. But um, I saw it referred to as a trend, as a quote unquote wellness craze, as a vibe, and as an aesthetic, which in my opinion are all very different things. Um the only thing people can seem to agree upon is that that girl has her life together. Um, she's got lots of lists. She's got a morning routine and an evening routine. She definitely has a workout routine. She probably has a Vitamix. She somehow lives on her own in a very expensive city and she does like an Amazon haul every day. Um, but other than that, the that girl is like your greatest most evolved most put together self but in like a color-coded capitalist hellscape so 
people find this content extremely aspirational, which like I have to admit, we're going to be super critical of this, but like I love this kind of content. I eat it up, gobble it up. Like it's so fun, but it's also so unrealistic. Um, So I actually went back to, I did that thing where you can type in like a Google search term and see like when it spikes in popularity. Mm. And the term that girl, because it's in so many things, so many songs, so many movies, whatever, has been spiking on and off since like the early 2000s. Um, But I narrowed it down to like that girl routine and that girl aesthetic. Um, And it seems like it came about on TikTok in the past year. Seems like it uh, started in the spring of 2021. There was a huge spike in June of 2021, which if I think back, that's probably where I kind of first remember seeing it um, in content. Mm -hmm. I think so too. Yeah, it was like early summer. Doesn't that sound right? Because it was kind of like around the time where everyone was talking hot girl summer, but then it kind of morphed into Mm. that girl. Um, And then unsurprisingly, there was an enormous spike. There was a big dip and then a giant spike again, January 2022, because that girl has Mm -hmm. taken on, I think, a bit of a second life with New Year's resolutions, um, health and wellness goals and all of that. Um, So let's talk about, I thought, like a typical day in the life for that girl, or at least as she like appears on the internet. Does that sound fun? Um, Yeah, that sounds great. So usually she wakes up in the early single digits, five or 6 a.m., I'd say. And please chime in, Caroline, Caroline, because I'd be interested to hear like what our different For You pages look like (laughs) Um, in terms of that Yeah, I mean, so I'll be fully honest. I think I had like one That Girl video pop up on my For You page, yeah, back in like June or July or whatever. And I probably hit I'm not interested because I tend to not like to look at that type of content on TikTok specifically. Like sometimes mm. I'll look for more like aesthetic-y, just like beautiful imagery type of content on Instagram, but not as much on TikTok. So I don't like if I'm looking at that girl content, it's because I searched for it. Um, so I'm, I'm, I've am I'm only seen like the viral videos that like come up on the first couple Okay. Uh, pages of the TikTok search page. <laughs> See, I've cleansed my Instagram of this, but I really love mm. uh, vlogs on TikTok. I really love the short, snappy, quick form vlogs. So I actually get accidentally a lot of this content, even though I don't get like because it is kind of a style of vlogging. Like that. It really is. Yeah. it's very much. And it's like adjacent to like a day in my life in Chicago as a like social media manager or whatever, because it's the same types of people with similar types of life situations uh, that are making like vlog content and that girl content. Absolutely. And that's why I think it's able to take off so much is that the the specs are kind of taken out like we don't know if she's a social media manager or she works in tech or she works in fitness or she's independently wealthy which obviously to like live the lifestyle that these women are showing off like there's money coming in from somewhere right like this is not an achievable aesthetic um but it takes out the it will be a three-hour morning routine and a three-hour evening routine. And the I went to work in the middle will be 
a blip or a one second clip or just like a cut of, you know, oh, and then I had my day and then I did all of this shit after I got home. Um, yeah. But it, like a quick one second image of like the clean, tiny, uh, tidy looking corner of the desk. and A bare and Ikea desk day. with just three MacBooks on it. <laughs> And like a Saqqara salad. Yeah. Um, But I do think, you know, there's something about taking all the personality out of these things that is meant to make it sort of universally appealing, at least to a certain demographic, um, where it's so unrelatable that it kind of circles back around to being relatable because it's this kind of shared delusion of like what an ideal life would look like an ideal yeah what's the word I'm looking for like productive life productive is Mm. key here but anyways she wakes up at ass o'clock in the morning she gets out of bed in the dark and probably like lights three candles and writes 10 pages in her journal and does her meditation and then she does her yoga and it's usually like a It's usually a YouTube like Pilates video or something. It's usually like in a matching set. She just rolled out of bed. Her yoga mat was already rolled out, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with any of these things, to be very clear. When we're criticizing this trend, these, you know, actions portrayed in this style. Also, what you're doing right now is simply just an explanation. Like you're not criticizing anything. You are just describing what is in these videos like what this content looks like a hundred percent but sometimes I can't control my tone so if you hear me <laughs> vocally rolling my sometimes eyes the judgment I apologize <laughs> um anyway continue continue so then she gets up and she has some combination of like lemon water fresh espresso or a matcha latte or a fresh green juice or a smoothie with six different powders in it Um, or, you know, makes yourself some avocado toast, or I pulled one up where uh, she was making like acai bowls, and that's never something I've been able to do every morning. Um, But granted, that's probably not that hard, is it? You just kind of need a blender. Anyways, so she's... Yeah, it's it's just like a smoothie bowl that focuses on a particular ingredient. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, huh. Anyways, (laughs) she's in her kitchen. Her kitchen is spotless. She puts away the dishes from the night before, which you saw in yesterday's That Girl vlog where she cleaned her entire kitchen. Um, She, there are a lot of checklists involved. There's a lots of gratitude journaling, bullet journaling, um, really well done Google calendars or Notion. Um, Lots of templates. Templates is a big thing. Um, Mm. And then, of course, she's filming this whole thing in the third person. It's very, like, voyeuristic where we get to watch her do all this stuff. So I, of course, like to think about all all those minutes in between of setting up the camera to find the angle. Because, like, as someone who does do vlogs and does film themselves doing stuff, that's not effortless. And then do you film yourself doing that whole thing or do you sit down the camera act like you're doing this thing for the 10 second clip get up go get the camera make sure you got the shot and then sit down to do the thing that's what I always wonder about like where's the it's the YouTube phenomenon of filming yourself waking up in bed except you got up to set up the camera get yourself ready then crawled back into bed (laughs) 
yes. <laughs> and depending on like how good of an actor you are, I think is how well that clip sells itself of like, oh, yawn, I'm just waking up. <laughs> Um, it's like everybody knows it's fake it it must be there's no other possibility but like how good are you at allowing the audience to suspend disbelief to just enjoy the content exactly exactly Um, and then it's a very similar thing at night you know cooking an elaborate meal after work going to the gym well, I mean she's maybe a morning or a night gym girl whichever whichever one it is those are your two different or both um, taking a long elaborate shower which was filmed all the products that were filmed making the bed aesthetically everything in her apartment is usually white that's important um, a lot of minimalism lots of minimalism lots of uh, what's it called lucite a- acrylic lots of like clear acrylic furniture and accessories mm. lots of chrome <laughs> lots of that Mac screensaver that's like the black flip book clock do you know what i'm talking about um yes yes it's all the, like very... productivity apps <laughs> yes yes the productivity apps it's all very clean very minimal very digestible and very like it's just it's a it's a series of habits every day it's like a little choreographed um choreographed routine yeah. that's how i've so experienced it sounds it, like least. That girl is less of an actual person and more of a, a, almost like a character portrayed by online content creators. And sometimes these creators are doing it from the perspective of saying like, this is me, like this is what I do, this is my routine. Sometimes I've seen the videos as more like instructional of like, this is a set of steps that like I'm telling you that if you do this, then you will be that girl. Um, but it's it's not like a particular person. You're not like emulating a specific celebrity or influencers habits because like you said the the content is really divorced from the identity of the content creator um like you don't know what city they live in what job they work any of that you're just seeing like these little snapshots of the expensive items in their minimalistic modern chic apartment um and And it is both aspirational and relatable yes and I think that's kind of the fascinating thing about this trend is that we've had aspirational content creators for years right like we all mm-hmm. had youtube bloggers that i'm gonna we be going into we- that <laughs> hell yeah like so i won't touch on this too much now but it's like we took the influencer the content creator the vlogger and instead of them showing their life and all their cool pretty things and their very cool disposable time and income and their you know perfect hair skin and makeup routine there's this one step removed of us all agreeing that it's this shared aspiration that you're taking steps towards becoming that girl and it's not the content creator saying be like me it's saying oh we're all trying to be like this but Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. you know my biggest gripe is with the name of it in general because like that girl if you are trying to become that girl like you're trying to become someone else and that sounds kind of cheesy coming out of my mouth but it's like you're not for a trend that's built around 
quote unquote, trying to be the best version of yourself. You're not doing that. You're observing yourself doing quote unquote healthy habits instead of, you know, building up things that feel good in your own life or that you're, you know, intrinsically motivated to do. And that's uh, Mm -hmm. this external motivation, especially if it's based on maintaining an aesthetic or maintaining some level of palatability doesn't work. That falls apart very quickly. I was like, what happens if that girl misses a few checks in her to-do list? What happens if she has a shitty day? What happens then? Because your entire personality is now based around, um, you know, ticking off this to-do list of beautiful aesthetic things you have to do. And I think that's (laughs) kind of the open secret is that no one lives this way every day. Yeah, like it's not actually realistic at all and it is like a shared delusion of how we all wish our lives could look um so maybe if we if if we all pretend we can all start to believe it um so sorry I got far away from the mic there um but so my question for you since you were doing this kind of side of the research of like what does it look like online um like who is that girl content for like who is the target audience who's consuming this I I think it's probably for I'm guessing women primarily white women ages I think it would probably say it's ages 18 to 30 or something like that demographic. I'm guessing it's more like 13 to 30. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a very voyeuristic element to imagining what being like a young professional creative adult is like. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't, I don't really have my finger on the pulse of what the teens are into these days. So I can't, <laughs> I can't claim that, but I think there's, yeah, but I definitely got like a, like college student to like first couple years working a corporate job, like, oh, yeah. um, being in the, like, like, yeah, young women who come from positions of privilege where they have access to things, mm-hmm. um, but are in environments that are very like high pressure, fast paced, and they are probably pretty miserable. Their mental health probably isn't very good. They're really stressed out and they are trying to like grasp at um, some like, like the dream of what they think this time in their life should feel like and how it should look. Absolutely. I'm happy that this stuff wasn't around a few years ago because I can very much imagine fresh out of college, Laura, like falling straight into that trap because that girl is professional. She's chic. She's dateable. Organized. She's so like she's everything that she's everything all at once. Yeah. Except human. Yeah, I think there's also a lot of like assumptions that like depending on what your personal anxieties are, you kind of project onto that girl. So like for me, and especially thinking about like if I was like 23 and consuming that girl content for context, I'm 27. So I feel like I'm a little bit like outside of the target audience for this content, but like Mm. just outside of it almost. Um, If I was like 23 and seeing that girl content, I would be thinking in my head, oh, well, she doesn't have any debt. She like 
uh, feels like she knows what she wants to do with her career. She uh, understands how to use a credit card properly. Um, <laughs> like you can, even though like none of those things are actually like physically in the content, like she probably doesn't have any trouble sleeping. She doesn't have any digestive issues. Like I would just take all of the things that are like she can digest lactose in my own life. Yeah, she she's not lactose intolerant. Um, or if she is, she has no issues at all staying away from dairy. That's not hard for her. Um, but it's like, yeah, I'm revealing a lot about myself personally here. Um, but it's like that girl is all of the things that I find shameful or uncomfortable or scary about myself and my own life. And she doesn't deal with those. Mm. So it's yeah, it's interesting. I want to cycle back around to what you said too about I do think I maybe inch that age demographic up a little too much because I think there's a big overlap with like college culture and you know study with me vlogs and things like that and this idea that you can really organize and optimize your entire life and Mm -hmm. then (laughs) circling forward I guess to what you kind of just said when I, again, I, I still feel like I fall victim to this kind of content sometimes where I'm like, my life would be better if I had, you know, a completely clean hard drive. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we view this content with the idea that when everything in your life is categorized and controlled in this way, that the bigger things in your life that the rest of your life will be more easy to manage that if everything else was under Mm -hmm. control then you know the things that are important to you become there's a clearer path to that that you become effortless easy yes but I think the sticking point there is that if you are able to micromanage all of these things what else do you have time for I don't that is your life period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that as people who make content on the internet, we may be more aware of than people who are just consumers of content on the internet, which is one of the reasons why we want to talk about this. It's sort of revealing the behind the scenes and the reality of what goes into making this kind of stuff and why, um, and why that makes it extra unrealistic like it's not just unrealistic because it is but it's unrealistic because in order to have what is being shown in this video it needs to be like the only thing you're doing like literally like the people's jobs who make this kind of content they are probably professional content creators even if they are you know like making instagram posts and doing copywriting for like some company or whatever their profession is probably in like the online creative space so they already have the skill set and the time set aside and the like structures in place to make stuff like this and make their life look like this Uh uh-huh there's a vlogger I just started following on TikTok her vlogs like are so fast and they really just scratch my brain the right way Mm. and she is super (laughs) yeah yeah exactly um and she does it to the music they're so sick I could never do anything (sighs) like that um but she's really honest about it and she'll post in like the comments and she'll say this took me three and a half hours to edit today And she does that Mm -hmm. every day, every single day. Wow. 
And you, and I that's think, just the time it takes to edit it, not adding up all of the seconds and minutes of taking the clips and retaking the clips and setting up the camera. And it is yes. content creation can be and is for many people a full time job, even mm-hmm. if it's not making them a full time income. Exactly. Exactly. Who I did find. I don't know if this would be fun or not, but I did find a little list from a TikTok of things mm. that girl does. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Let's Which, go through it and see how many of these are things that you or I do or even have any interest in doing. Fabulous. So just to put us in the right frame of mind, when I search that girl on TikTok, the first things that come up are that girl, that girl morning routine, that girl aesthetic, how to become that girl. And then the like suggested searches it brings up are morning routine, gym routine, day in the life, self-care tips, wellness habits, and cleaning TikTok. So just to put us all in the frame of mind of like everything we're covering here. Um, this girl, that girl is, has a lot that of girl is fit, healthy, clean, and she has no issues sticking with her routines. I think that's kind of the main thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's a little bit... I wish we could like loop in a therapist on this because I'm like, if someone did those same things every single day, would that be a problem? Yeah. Like, is that something? Is that a compulsion? Is that anxiety? Like, what is that? What is that? Yeah. Maybe I'll call my therapist and ask her. (laughs) What is that? Um, Okay, here we go. That girl. I also love the way these are phrased because this they're just directions. They're just commands. Yeah. Like a dog. Yeah. Do this. Um, one, go on a walk every day. Okay. Reasonable. I do that most days. Yeah. Okay. Two, eat more fruit and veg. Okay. Sure. I can get on board with that. Yeah. Number three, find a signature scent. <laughs> I feel like we've really <laughs> taken a left turn here, but sure. Okay. So that girl smells good. She smells good. Absolutely. And she smells the same every day because that's a signature scent. Number four, find your music taste, Um, which sounds like a big project to be one bullet point, but we'll leave that alone. Yeah. Number five, cut or dye your hair. All right. So a rebrand. Sure. Number six, Try even harder in class. (laughs) Which you know how I feel about the advice, try harder. Like, girl, what does that mean? I (sighs) feel like we can learn a lot about the, like, small traumas and anxieties of the person who created this list, like, based on what she considers to be essential traits of that girl. She's like, here's how to make yourself better. First, change everything about you. Make sure you're interesting and look different. (laughs) Yeah. Do better. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Seven, go on Pinterest and find clothes you like, which goes with eight, save your money up to buy your dream wardrobe, which again, I would argue there are several steps in between seven and eight. Um, I would agree. But manifest, sure, go for it. Um, Number nine, again, another major left turn. If someone is hurting you, leave them. (laughs) Oh, my God, girl. (laughs) 
Which like, yes, I'm so that's, sorry. <laughs> that's great advice. Um, maybe not the context, but can't argue there. Um, I mean, and- maybe that girl is really good at setting and enforcing boundaries in her interpersonal relationships. Seems like she is very securely attached, I will say. <laughs> That's going to be a check on her to-do list. It's like lemon water, meditate, uh, read 10 Develop pages a of Atomic Habits, style. leave him. <laughs> Just check, 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 check. Um, no. <laughs> number 10 is read more books. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, number 11 is make a sad playlist so you're prepared for anything. To, Anything? to make the tragedies in what your about life, like a hurricane? You know, aesthetic in like a movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Can you imagine? It's like evacuate with me vlog, and it's got like <laughs> slipping through my fingers from Mamma Mia playing in the background. Ugh. No. <laughs> um, you know, I'm gonna push back on the she's got good boundaries one because number twelve is be nice to everyone. Hmm. Which I guess that varies on like what your definition of nice is. You can be nice and still have good boundaries. But yeah, that sounds emotionally taxing. Um, number 13 is buy a bikini. <laughs> okay. Number 14. We're starting. Ooh, we're starting to uh, notice a pattern here in these last few. Uh, okay. Leave a toxic relationship, which I thought we mm-hmm. already did. So yeah, just um, do it again. (laughs) We know that by between number uh, nine and number 14 on this list, you've entered yet another toxic relationship. So we're going to give you another reminder to leave. Um, Number 15, stop eating junk food. Natch. Um, Number 16, (laughs) be direct, never desperate. Oh, what does I'm that like having mean? trouble reacting to these because I feel like these are all like so personal. Like this is just this girl's like wish list of how she wished she was different. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, honey, like whatever you got to do, I guess. I like want to give her a hug. I know. Uh, it all sounds like, do you remember that? I... I hope you don't. I hope you weren't on this side of Pinterest in like 2015. But that quote that everyone would screenshot for their Instagram, that was from like Kendall Jenner. And it was like, eat vegetables, wear red lipstick. Don't let boys be mean to you. And it was like, oh, do you remember yeah, that? I definitely, I definitely never pinned that on my Pinterest, but I certainly remember seeing that like floating around like Tumblr and Instagram. This is giving that yeah. energy. Yes. Um. Yeah. Number 17, again, stay out of drama, which sounds like, based on what we've been through in this list so far, could be useful. Yeah. Um, 18, compliment other girls. Love that. I like Um, that. That's a good one. 19, with no punctuation, forget about boys, you don't need them. Um, Number... I hope this no. girl's doing better right now. When did yeah, she make this wherever video? Wherever you are, we love you. Um, can I introduce you to Brene Brown, maybe? Yeah, um, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> number 20, which really feels like this was either a paid partnership or she just really wanted a rounded out list. Um, 20, LED lights are the best for your room. Hmm. 
which okay you know <laughs> as like a powerpoint nerd i'm like okay everything here started with a verb and then like maybe we should have said like invest in new lighting for your space yeah or, or hang led lights in your room for the vibes yeah. Yeah. We just put some LED lights in our house, not in our bedroom, but we put some behind the TV so it emits like a cool colored glow and we can change the color of the lights. And we also strung them up um, around our hot tub in our Florida room, (gasps) which is very vibey. Okay. Well, you know what I have to ask you, Carolyn? Is it better? Are you that girl? Is it the best? I, I honestly, I think more than anything that I've done recently, the LED lights make Eben and I those girls. I, I think maybe she's on something here. I think that's the most that girl thing that we have done recently. So I can, the placement in the list seems odd. I probably would have put that one closer to the top when things didn't mm. feel so serious but um i i think i agree that led number 21 on this list is oh my god just the list a, isn't over no 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 number 21 on this list is just self-actualize <laughs> whoa oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding um <laughs> that's so funny so it, was it just a list of 20 or are there more uh, no, it was just 20. That was, it was my 20. Mission. Okay. I, w- was, I was like, 20. I know that's a joke, but are we still going? No, that was, that was a lot. It was just 20. Wow. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So that Washing is one. Down the LED lights. One. So was that on a TikTok or was that in like a blog post? That was on a TikTok. It was a girl dancing in front of LED lights, pointing at words. Um, ah. But I, yeah. And then I guess my final bit to say, which maybe will segue us into some more critical thinking is that the whole, I think the reason the whole thing is vaguely unsettling to me is that it reminds me of that Margaret Atwood quote about male fantasies, which like, oh, I mixed feelings on Margaret Atwood now that she's revealed sure. herself to be extremely turfy. But um, yeah, I've, I have the quote pulled up here in my notes um, and mm. I won't read the entire thing. Um but halfway through, she talks about even pretending you aren't catering to male fantasies as a male fantasy, pretending you're unseen, pretending you have a life of your own, that you can wash your feet and comb your hair unconscious of the ever-present watcher peering through the keyhole, peering through the keyhole in your own head if nowhere else. You are a woman with a man inside watching a woman. You are your own voyeur. And uh, not so much about, I guess, male fantasies per se, but I do think this idea of watching ourselves watching ourselves like this voyeurism into your own perfect idealized life and I think Mm -hmm. you know to a certain extent yes male fantasies because I'm sure we're going to talk about the internalized capitalism of it all and the like Mm -hmm. performative white femininity but um just that idea of voyeurism into your own life I think is very yeah apt here Yeah. And I, that is the perfect segue because, um, I, it really touches on what I am going to be talking about, which is the very performative nature of this trend that Mm. like, 
and that fits into a bigger cultural trend um, that has been around for a long time in women's media specifically. Um, but yeah, like the whole idea of that girl is that it's not even necessarily supposed to be something that you embody in your day-to-day life. It is something that you embody in the content that you post on social media and um, or that you consume as a form of entertainment on social media. We've already talked about how it's sort of collectively understood that it's sort of a fantasy, that it's unrealistic. Um, like in watching it, it is showing you something that is like not even – pretending it's meant to be aspirational um it's meant to be this like ideal and it's saying that outright it's not just in the subtext it's like how to become that girl is what a lot of these videos are titled um so it's all about this performance of a culturally ideal form of i guess femininity would be a way to put it but like because the main target audience of all of this is young women it's sort of this weird intersection of like entertainment and instruction that is meant to help mold a generation of young women into the cultural ideal of what young women should be how they should look how they should act and how they should fit into the broader cultural culture around them um which we're talking about this mostly from the american side like i don't know the countries that most of that girl content is coming from like i assume most of them are americans but i'm sure there's australian and like uk girlies out there making that girl content um and it's coming from a similar place but i'm going to be talking about um this from like the United States of America perspective um because I'm gonna be going into some history are we ready Ooh, buckle we're in so, ready. <laughs> so I did um uh I I basically put together a little outline here of or like a timeline I guess you could say of examples of that girl through history and now of course we Ooh. haven't been calling her that girl until the year of our Lord 2021 but the idea of that girl this idealized version of American womanhood has been a significant part of women's media um for a really long time like for centuries so um I'm going to go back to uh the 1800s which is when like women's magazines really started to take off. So, well, first of all, I got a lot of the information that I'm going to be talking about from um, of this first section, like the history part from two main places. The first is the book Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings. And the mm. second is um, The Beauty Myth by Naomi Naomi Wolf, which mm. I do like that book, but Naomi Wolf has also gone in an interesting direction politically and is very like loud on Twitter about oh, being no. anti-vax. So I don't know if I would recommend following her Great. more current work, but The Beauty Myth is a very interesting book, has a lot of good um, analysis of like beauty trends and uh, the beauty ideal throughout American history. Um, but anyway, so in the 1800s, ladies journals women's magazines were really starting to pop off and a really important uh reason that they 
existed was because they presented women at the time with information about like how to be good women in society. So they were marketed at mostly like middle and upper class women who were able to afford the latest fashions and homewares and who hadn't been building shoes since they were nine. Yeah, exactly. And um and who were, you know, supposed to be the examples of what proper society is. And so the kind of greater greater cultural context of this is that in the 1800s America was really trying to establish its national identity in like the global landscape and that identity is of white supremacy and Protestant values and work ethic. So to be a good American woman meant to be a good Christian white woman um, with like that fit into that whole ethos of like being obedient to your husband, but like being a hard worker in the home, like taking care of the home, all those kinds of things. So media at the time, a lot of it was kind of propaganda in a way to help shape the American populace to reflect this image of what America wants to look like on, you know, the global stage. So um, what this meant for women is they must meet this white beauty ideal and these Christian ideals of behavior and virtue, which all of these things then become conflated and they also get um, influenced by like race science. And so to be like a good woman meant to distance yourself from blackness. So it meant that even though you are healthy and strong, you are also not overindulgent and gluttonous. So this is where a lot of like mm. his like the historical context of like fat phobia, fat phobia and beauty ideals come from, which we'll talk about that more in another episode. But so a lot of women's magazines at the time were teaching women how to be this proper woman. And the reason it was important was because of this more like cultural need for America to appear strong and good and uphold these ideals of like good virtuous whiteness uh did you want to chime in yeah I think I just have questions this is like Mm -hmm. the late 1800s we're talking so like post-civil war we're trying to present a unified ideal as a nation we're trying yeah white America is trying to you know separate and elevate itself um and like industrial revolution times where like if your wife could afford not to leave the house that was a big deal yes because a big part of it was also not just like distancing white americans from like black americans and like newly enslaved or uh, newly freed formerly enslaved black americans but also from immigrants um this was a time when Mm. like Russian, Irish, Jewish immigrants would not have been considered, you know, quote unquote, like white in Mm -hmm. like, even though they have pale skin, like the it it wasn't that like Anglo-Saxon Protestant ideal of white supremacy that was like very much very, very important at the time. Um, And so this, you know, 
continued. These these themes continued and morphed and grew and whatever. And the next time frame I want to talk about is like the post-World War II, where uh, the phrase that really jumped out to me is the cult of domesticity. So when you're looking mm. at women's media at the time, which is still mostly centered in magazines, um, but also in like movies, radio dramas, TV. It's, you know, in a post-World World War II America, there was this renewed need to, like, reestablish our cultural identity as, like, strong, like, anti-communist, um, you know, nuclear family <laughs> America. Um, these things that make America strong are a lot of it has to do with the women's role in the home to support her husband who works and provides for the family, you know, and it mm. like that came from, you know, the women, the women holding down the fort while the men were at war. And now it's like, okay, you're back in the home supporting the family, supporting your husband while he works and is a strong man building our economy after the war. Um, and so the cult of domesticity is this phrase that I can't believe I didn't write down the name of the woman who coined this phrase, but Naomi Wolf talks about it a lot in the beauty myth and there's information about it all online. But it's basically this idea that for women, there is a culture of domesticity that you are meant to like a woman's place is in the home maintaining the home, caring for children, taking care of the home. And women's media really reflects this. If you look at women's magazines at the time, it's, again, a lot of, like, instructional content and aspirational content of showing, like, this is how glamorous your life can be if you buy this new fancy microwave technology. Um, if you buy this vacuum, here are tips on how to throw the perfect dinner party for when your husband's boss and wife are coming over. Like, this is the kind of stuff that you would see. And it is idealized and it's instructional. It's aspirational and it is meant to like teach you how to be a proper woman in your culture and society. I want to um, throw out there, I googled uh, yeah. the culture, the cult of domesticity to try to like lob that name to you and uh -huh. I can't find that but it's also called the cult of true womanhood. Um, yes which oh, sounds very yes, culty exactly and then this idea has its own wikipedia page this is not just like mm -hmm. a phrase this is like yeah this is a thing y'all it's taught in um a push thing. classes like the, this was an important part of um oh, like yeah. american culture at this time put a dbq um, on it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, so like women's media, which was still mostly in magazines, was like really starting to pop off at this time. And um, with another kind of spin on it was that the cultural idea of teenagers was starting to grow at this time. And so in in the 1940s is when like 17 magazines started and it was targeted 17 at teenagers. magazines started in the 40s? Uh-huh. The history of what? Seventeen magazine is actually very interesting. Maybe we can do a whole episode on we it because I find in this that. stuff so fascinating. Yeah. So Seventeen magazine started in the 1940s and really started to gain a lot of popularity in like the 50s and 60s. And at this time, it was not the teen magazines that we know today that are like where teenagers are seen as very distinct from both childhood and womanhood. At this time, teenagers were seen as more pre-womanhood so a lot okay. of the magazines were like 
giving tips to young women, like high school aged women on like how to find a husband, um, like preparing them to be housewives, teaching them the social and practical skills to be a proper woman in society once they, you know, come of age and get married and start having a family in the next couple of years. Um, Because it was, Mm -hmm. you know, more, there was more cultural pressure for that to happen early on. Women going to college, going into the workforce happened, but it wasn't like the norm like it is today. So then moving forward into like the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, I'm lumping it all together mostly for the sake of time, though I could go into heavy detail on all of this. Um, and this I is will. Where you see, and I will. But this I is where will. you see women's media starting to expand beyond just magazines and into other mediums. So this is where like mm. TV and movies start becoming um, more popular and you're getting more TV and movies created specifically for female audiences. And in a lot of this media, you see examples of that girl from the time. You see these idealized women with this like perfectly put together aesthetic that is meant to represent the ideals of womanhood in the time that this media was made. So um, for example, like in 80s movies, like the beautiful female characters, you will see them, um, you know, going to jazzercise classes and being on their little diets and having their perfectly like curled hair with their blush and whatever. And it's this like image of the perfect woman. And then, you know, recreating those looks and behaviors, the instructions were then found in magazines. Um, And this, you know, Mm. extended to all areas of life of how you do your hair, your makeup, your fashion, how you shape your body, how you interact in social situations, like all of those kinds of things Um, into like the 90s and early 2000s. um, This is where I start to be a little more familiar with the media. But I think of characters like Carrie Bradshaw, who is maybe not like a perfect woman, but she is this like glamorous, idealized version of young professional womanhood. And this is where you see the idea of professionalism and like being a working woman who has it all start to take over what the ideal form of womanhood is in broader American culture. So it starts Mm. to move away from the domestic housewife as like a young woman because women are getting married later. They are prominent in the workforce. They are gaining power politically. um, And it's becoming more normal to see like a woman's role as in the workforce and at home. So it's this idea of a woman who has it all. And, um, and Can we pause on yeah, Sex and the City for a second? Oh, because I will sure. try not to talk to you Because you know long, a lot about this. You've yes. hit a, a special interest of mine now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but looping into, you know, what we're talking about with women's magazines and such, I know that Sex and the City is one of the first shows to feature heavy product placement. Um, mm-hmm. That now that we're far enough away, you know, uh, anthropological scholars can look back and be like, well, that's not how women were living in Manhattan in the early 2000s. But it was a created image for women in other parts of the country and presumably the world to watch these very Mm -hmm. glamorous lives. And like, yeah, maybe you weren't living through Carrie because she's kind of a mess. But with the four women together, like they Mm -hmm. all 
give you, you know, enough of an ideal to pick from that you can find something that resonates with you. But yes. like things yes. that they wore on epi- on like a single episode would sell out immediately. Sex and the City built yeah. brands. It built um, well, and you think Magnolia about Bakery. How much... It brought Manolo Blahnik back. Like that's yeah. buying and power. And even on other shows, like friends you know these characters that are these maybe not perfect but still aspirational women women who are beautiful mostly is the thing that is aspirational Mm -hmm. about them that they are thin and beautiful but they become style icons they become you know how many people grew up wanting to live in the friends apartment and dressing like Rachel Green and getting the Rachel haircut Exactly. And I think there's something to be said too for even though those women, those female characters aren't necessarily what we would consider like quote unquote an ideal woman because we're seeing them on our screens and because they become kind of iconic, even though like most of those characters are pretty flawed in a good, compelling way, because we're seeing Mm -hmm. them, because they're present they're they are getting sort of the social stamp of approval that this is an okay way to be a woman whereas like we're not encouraged to you know broadcast our flaws on the internet so the socially palatable way to be an iconic woman if you are just a regular person is to do everything seamlessly the, the thing that we start to see in the 2000s with um, and a little bit the 90s, but mostly in the 2000s is the rise of the Internet and the beginnings kind of like a proto social media with blogging. And so blogging is where now kind of the everyday woman has the power to start to create content that is entertaining and that is instructional for other women and so it's not just the people that are in charge of like tv networks and movie studios and big magazine publications but it's the start of this like new form of women's media that is created by everyday people to be consumed by everyday people and um obviously that sets the stage for how we kind of got to where we are today so with blogs you like there have been blogs about everything forever um but we're specifically going to talk about the ones that focus on kind of like health and fitness and beauty and fashion the things that that girl needs to do perfectly and so you're starting to see everyday people build these online personas and like getting internet clout in you know the early 2000s um because they are really good at fitting into the culture's ideal of womanhood and teaching other women how to do the same thing. And this is where that idea of performance really starts to come into play because now you're not just watching people who perform on TV for a living and taking inspiration from them in your life. Um, like you would seeing a character on sex in the city, but everyday people are now performing personas online for other people to copy in real life. And this just continues to get amplified as social media grows and changes shape and becomes an integral part of culture in general. So 
Let's get into the 2010s because this is where I feel like we personally experienced the earlier versions of that girl. <laughs> yeah, this is this is where we gain consciousness and self-consciousness. <laughs> so <laughs> in, in the 2010s, I feel like that girl could be defined by kind of like girl boss culture mixed with social media stuff. Um, but you see it splintering into different subcultures because now that everyone is so empowered to post themselves and create content themselves, there's all of these like subgenres of ideals that you can latch on to. So mm. you see people becoming sort of like influencers in all of these different spaces. You see the veganism version of that girl. You see the bodybuilding version of that girl. You see the yoga version of that girl. And these exist on different platforms. You know, there's Tumblr, there's, uh, and Pinterest where people kind of create personal mood boards or vision boards. And then there's, um, platforms like Instagram and YouTube where people are really building true careers off of content creation being influencers and vloggers so like for me the two people that come to mind that I used to watch back you know in the previous decade um, were Nikki Blacketter, Blacketter and Sarah's Day so they both took kind of like different approaches Nikki was more of the kind of like gym life gym shark protein powder um um, like booty building workouts and Sarah's day she uh, is still making content she seems like a lovely person she's gone a little bit more into family blogging now that she started having kids but um, you know hers was kind of like clean living like I'm in Australia getting my latte and going for a walk by the ocean and then I go do my little like hit gym workout and make a protein ball recipe and it's idealized it's aspirational and it's instructional just like the women's magazines of the 1800s and post-world war ii era just like the women that we were seeing in movies in the 90s but it's just taken on this whole new life and almost becomes even more powerful because we feel like it's coming from people who are like ourselves because they're not really celebrities they're like bridging this gap between celebrity and friend celebrity and real person it's um, so personal especially if you're it's seeing so personal. i think in at the advent of like instagram and when no one you know was vlogging even though there were youtube vloggers um I think it was still a slightly more separate world and maybe my view on this is skewed as like us both being you know content creators to a certain extent but seeing professional created content in the mix of content your friends are posting that you're just trying to keep up with I think those lines become even more blurry as the general public gets better at creating their own content uh, as For there's sure. less separation between like professional stuff and keeping up with family mm -hmm. friends and in-betweens you know yeah no absolutely so um I want to just go through some of the other things that I remember from the 2010s that kind of will jog people's memories of like oh yeah like at the time I thought this was really important I thought I had to be this girl I thought I had to fit this aesthetic I thought I had to do these things looking back now it's easy to see that that was misguided that that was influenced by 
media and whatever. And I want to do this so that we can look at today's trends with the same sort of like critical lens to realize that just because it feels new and current doesn't make it more true. And if consuming a certain type of content is making you feel like guilty and shameful and making you compare your life to some ideal, it is just as irrational and unnecessary as it was to compare yourself to the sex in the city ladies in the 90s and to the like girls that owned 100 pairs of Nikes in 2012 um, <laughs> and posted pictures of them all over their Tumblr. Um, but so yeah, in like 2010 through like 2016, I feel like um, it was like I'm just going to like list off things I remember. So it was like the Kayla Itzen's bikini body guide. It was oh like God. making baked goods out of protein powder um, and putting protein powder in literally everything you ate. Yeah. Yep. Uh, black bean brownies. Exactly. It was like doing your hit workouts in like neon all Nike apparel and then reblogging girl boss feminist quotes alongside strong as the new skinny fitness image fitspo images on your tumblr blog so like we can look back and look at these things and be like oh my god honey like you didn't have to compare yourself to those images like you didn't have to be doing all of that and the same thing goes for the minimalist vibes um like perfect aesthetic with the all the things we talked about of we didn't that even talk girl. about the the clean girl aesthetic which that's oh my god so loaded but I feel like yeah that's basically the same thing that girl same thing you don't have to have girl. a perfectly clean apartment in order to like yourself you don't have to have a perfectly organized google calendar in order to like yourself and like be a yeah. good person just like you didn't need to do fasted cardio every morning before your 8 a.m biology class in order to be I a good person like, gather all the 19 year olds in one room and be like not everybody washes their hair every day it's a lie <laughs> <laughs> like exactly exactly so other things that influenced this area this era depending on kind of like which that girl subculture you were in in the 2010s was like biohacking and wellness pop science um things like supplements and like really specific morning routines and yeah waking up like at the ass crack of dawn um there was like also more of kind of like the self-help industry influence which has been a thing since like the 80s and like Oprah Winfrey and you know the secret and like all kinds of stuff but self-help has a whole influence in all of this too um and yeah my last bullet point here is just like the ubiquity of social media makes sharing like your life into like your personal brand which we have seen that carry over to today and become even more of a thing so that posting this content and making this content and embodying this persona isn't even necessarily about enriching your own life it is about portraying a brand online and that goes for everyone even if you are not someone who actually owns an online business or like makes money off of social media if you are curating an image of yourself online that is a personal brand and um and so yeah when we see that girl today it is the exact same 
cultural occurrence. It's the same pattern being influenced by the same, you know, types of things, except now we're seeing it in a pandemic life world. So there's a lot more isolation. There's it's the working from home. It's the like, I'm in my apartment all the time, so I need it to be spotlessly clean. It's um, less about going to fitness classes and more about doing workout videos on your laptop on the little space next to your bed. Um, And so we're just seeing how like today's like political and social context is changing the specifics of the aesthetic, but the phenomenon is exactly the same. And I think it's worth mentioning too, that with those bloggers who kind of have set this trend, at least this, the trend in the medium of sharing, um, people who start blogging, if they start in fitness or they start by sharing recipes or they start by sharing fashion, almost always branch out to lifestyle content, just general Mm -hmm. sharing of their lives, regardless of how much they still integrate that niche, mostly because it allows them to sell more products. It allows them to monetize more parts of their life. It allows them to pay for that lifestyle that they're sharing because now those products are sponsored or those products are generating their own revenue and it allows them to become more of a personality rather than a creator um and so sharing lifestyle content which is you know the term for that broad all-encompassing what I do in a day content is actively making them more money and then I think the flip side of that is that again we'll call them civilians pedestrians creating (laughs) you and I creating that kind of content there the benefit of that the benefit of feeling like you're not quote-unquote withholding anything from your quote-unquote audience that is social capital yeah it's social capital it's and and it's it's coming from the same I believe at least it's coming from the same place um as the people who are doing it for money and it's this idea of growth which we've touched on the fact that like this trend does in a lot of ways kind of like come out of capitalism and like reinforces the version of womanhood that is idealized in our like late stage capitalist pandemic world someone who is still holding down a job despite having to do it from her apartment someone who is like has the grind set who is putting like self-care on a pedestal in order to be productive in her job and it doesn't matter what the job is and that's why I think it's like so interesting that like what the person what the content creator does for work is so vague because it really reinforces this idea that like simply contributing to the productivity machine is what is important it doesn't actually matter what you're producing and so it's like the fact that her google calendars are all in order and her email inbox is um empty and her physical health and well-being is good so that she can show up for her job that's the important part what her job actually is doesn't even matter and I just yeah you just have to 
be the you have to show up as the best version of yourself because you owe it to, to be your the work. best version of the not cog because, in the machine that you can be <laughs> yeah not because your work is important or meaningful or even just important to you it's that you are an effective producer you are a, a useful uh member contributing member of yeah. the workforce and I think too yeah. that allows more blurred lines because often as we stated before the job is the content creation and that disappears into the background of creating this productive life where for a lot of people who are working nine to five jobs who are working in the service industry who are doing shift-based work who are balancing that with being parents or who are full-time parents like the productive life does not look like doing all this extra stuff Yeah, and just the fact that the extra stuff, the stuff that is glamorized and um, aestheticized in these videos are not hobbies. It's not leisure time or social interaction or anything fun and enriching like that. It is just the necessary care tasks in order to make the content and do the job, which are sometimes the same thing. So it's like you have this three-hour morning routine and this three-hour evening routine in order to be the best version of yourself and like live a good quality life. But like to me, if I'm going to put all that effort into having a morning and evening routine to feel good, I would want to be able to use that feeling good in like doing things I care about and like hanging out with friends and family and like working on projects and like doing things that I enjoy not just spending six hours of my day to like maintain my physical vessel so that it can labor yeah you're doing all this maintenance work but like what are you maintaining it's like like for what Sisyphus's morning routine like yeah if that morning routine takes you until noon (laughs) you're just gonna wake up and do it all again the next day exactly so it's either that you are maintaining a worker or you aren't actually someone who like works like a normal person does because you have like passive income from somewhere or like generational wealth and you don't actually have a job and you are creating content for the workforce to emulate. And you are just showing the example of what everybody should do. And you're able to do it because you have like the time that other people would spend in an office and doing work. You actually can spend on free time doing things that you care about and that are enriching to your life. But you're not going to show that because everyone else is supposed to spend those hours of the day sitting in their cubicle or sitting at their computer. And so it's just interesting how like even for the people making this content that like can have free time to do other things that's not a part of the content no no I don't know and I don't really know what the point of that was it was just some thoughts (laughs) no it's it's good to have that like often that transparency is missing just that piece of the puzzle that because I think that the thing we're supposed to wonder about that girl right because she's like kind of hazy off in the distance somewhere we're like Mm -hmm. who's that girl um, yeah, is like, how does she do it? And often the very practical answer to how does she do it, either being this is her job, she doesn't have a job, whatever it is, that is missing. But like there is... Or the answer is it's not a she mystery. doesn't. It's not an it factor. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't do it. And I also think it's, it's not interesting real. if you... 
put in the assumed like oh I do all of this around my very important high pressure job that Mm -hmm. that has you in output mode all day because even if you're labeling these things like self-care you know your workout and your fancy smoothies and your like you know fancy journal or whatever your fancy template journal Mm -hmm. because you've chosen to do these because they're part of a necessitated routine and you're now creating content out of it these things are supposed to be pouring back into you or actually like maintaining you are still you being in output mode maintaining the routine holding up you know the the paper doll that girl on a stick like there's Mm -hmm. no there's no sustainability but it's operating under the guise of sustainability and routine and you can maintain this for ever I think is the goal because you're not supposed to age either and you're not supposed to get tired (laughs) yeah yeah (sighs) yeah the other thing that like uh, I just encourage if there's any like Gen Zers listening to this who hello, consume children. that girl content and hello kids. I know most of you are like 24. Hello fellow kids. Um, <laughs> um, but like the question that I would want to like ask people who feel like that they need to become that girl, I guess, is if it's actually, are, are the things that are actually enriching to your life and that make you happy, are they aesthetic? And are the things that are aesthetic enough to share on social media actually enriching to your life? Because I sometimes make, you know, lifestyle content on TikTok and whatever. And often the effort that goes into making my meal look pretty on the plate, the effort that goes into finding the light for the clip of myself taking a sip of my coffee it, it is work and it's for the performance of making the content and the act of doing it is not actually helping me at all as an individual trying to practice self-care. It doesn't actually make me and my life any better or healthier or happier. And so like does that girl, does being that girl, aka like the best version of yourself that lives a life of ease and comfort and peace and success does it also need to look good on social media and like that is where they're like that's where the most of the tension is for me because like knowing the work that it takes to make something post worthy I feel like makes the thing itself devoid of value to the person making the content does that make sense a hundred percent that makes sense I I think that feeds back into the cult of true womanhood right because I'm sure that yeah I'm sure women are not the only people who are not immune to this but I do sure. think there's kind but of we're a, talking about content that is you know targeted a at socialized women. female thing where if you can prove that you're doing something in service of other people then it's unquestionably worthy so mm-hmm. even these small moments that are supposed to be, you know, oh, self-care isn't selfish. Take good care of yourself. But they are now in service of an audience. Like maybe that's not yeah. your husband. Maybe that's not your kids. Maybe that's not, you know, your country or your church or whatever it was in the 1800s. But if you're doing it in service of an external observer, I yes. would argue that it, uh, you know, um, there's some alchemy there where it becomes no longer caring for yourself. 
Yeah. No longer yeah. Like I think, I think the underlying like deception in all of this that we have been taught to believe is just a truth is that if it looks like I have my shit together, then I do. Like if it looks like I have my shit together, then if I can make it appear to other people that I have my shit together, then I will feel like I'll have my shit together and I will feel like that version of myself that I want to feel Mm. like. And that is just not true. And I bet if we all looked through our lives, we will find examples of that where we like kept a strong face while we were going through something really hard and people around us had no idea and we were tortured on the inside but other people looking at us probably thought that we were totally fine or people coming up to us and saying like oh my god like like remarking on the fact that it looks like you have your shit together when you know for a fact that you do not so it's like being critical of that idea of like is what's important the aesthetic or is what's important the thing I'm actually experiencing yeah prioritizing your own experience is like the key to everything I think yeah and Uh, a big part of that is not comparing your experience that you feel to the things that you see on social media that have been visually curated to portray a certain image that isn't necessarily reflective of reality oof yes I have an idea for kind of wrapping this up on maybe a more positive note, because um, again, I, dear listener, as much as it probably sounds like this isn't true, I like this kind of content, and Carol and I have both put out this kind of content, and probably to a certain extent think it's fun. Um, yeah. So what can people, what can our very special listeners <laughs> keep in mind as we're scrolling that For You page, seeing this kind of content, um, pop up is there a positive way to interact with it is there a positive way to aestheticize your own life I mean I think yes absolutely um I think there's nothing wrong with wanting to have a life that you view as visually beautiful um like I think that's like totally cool. That's why we decorate our spaces. That's why we decorate our bodies. Um, That's why we find beauty in things like nature. And I, I think the whole idea of like romanticizing your life isn't inherently toxic because I, I think it can be a, a wonderful tool to see the beauty that does exist in your life. Mm-hmm. I think the harm comes in when consuming content goes down the rabbit hole of comparison and like shame spiraling. So I think it's really about self-awareness. First, being aware of what your own values are so that you are always centering what's actually important to you in your life and not just what you are being told should be important to you. And if you can always stay true to what your values are, then seeing content that doesn't reflect your values won't have a negative impact on you because you'll just go, oh, that's not for me. And then when you see content that does reflect your values, you can go, oh my God, that's such a great idea. You actually can get inspiration. You can get new ideas. You can learn new things about how to better live a life that authentically reflects what you care about. Um, And then the other thing would just be being very aware of your feelings and emotional reactions as you consume content and not just passively letting it overtake your psyche. But if you start going through a shame spiral or comparing yourself, 
taking a step away because that is not good for you. And the solution isn't to feel more shame and compare more until you change because that doesn't work. It's to step away and remind yourself of what you care about. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's such a thin line between inspiration and aspiration and that Mm -hmm. line of like, that one brain thought of like, oh, the more I follow this kind of content and the more I surround myself with this kind of content, then it will rub off on me and I'll start to, I will be able to shame myself into performing better rather than, oh, this is adding something to my life because I like this part of it. And like you said, Mm -hmm. being able to identify what, what aligns with you and what doesn't, even if it's just one small part of something. I like this about this, this resonates. I don't like this other part, but it's not for me and that's fine. Um, Because I think Mm -hmm. there's, you know, there are admirable things to like drinking your coffee slowly. And like there's a huge emphasis on like mindfulness right now. And it's kind of trendy and it's kind of aesthetic. But like that's something valuable. Um, It's fun to see those kind of things romanticized and glamorized a little bit because some of these, you know, quote unquote healthy habit trends Anyways, there are things to take and there are things to leave. And the only person that can be the arbiter of that is you. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's why we that's why we talk about what we talk about on this podcast, because it is comes down to yeah. being a conscious consumer. And unfortunately, to be a conscious consumer, you have to look pretty closely at what you're consuming and see where's the yes, where's the Vaseline on the lens? What's what's the angle here? What where is the media element to this? Because I'm not just consuming someone's life or someone's day. It's not possible. And I think it's also important to remember, I forget what this is from. I think it might have been that like Netflix documentary on like social media and stuff. But the idea that if you're consuming it for free, you are the product. So like being very aware of the fact that social media is not this like just like neutral thing that exists. It is an industry whose primary objective is to make money for advertisers. And the content creators that are on these platforms, oftentimes their primary objective is to gain personal capital themselves, whether that's monetary or social. And either way, you you and your attention is the actual product here. And it is... N- not a system that really takes ethics and morality into account. It just is going to do whatever is effective. And so that means that your safety, mental safety, physical safety is not being prioritized. And you, if it, if you will buy it and you will give your attention to it, it will be presented to you. And so just being aware of that fact, I think is really important. So that, you don't fall under the illusion that everything you're seeing is some like force of good that has your best interest at heart. Um, And that like, just because an influencer that you think is like pretty and seems friendly and that you would want to be friends with is trying to like convince you that this thing is good and will help your life doesn't mean it's necessarily true for you. It just means that they think they will be able to convince you of it. And again, that's not necessarily a good or a bad thing, which is why you just need to have so much self-awareness. And that's why we're doing this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You're just a pair of eyeballs and a thumb to them. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And sometimes a wallet. And um, 
and sometimes a brain that can be influenced to convince other people. Um, so just yeah. being aware of the role that you play is vitally important for keeping yourself safe. Um, and I know we're making it sound like so serious when it's just this like silly little TikTok trend. But again, it's a part of a greater cultural pattern and phenomenon that has existed for a long time and is not going anywhere as long as media in general exists. And no. as long as there is a profit motive. <laughs> I mean, clearly we can trace these like impulses back to pretty much the beginning of time. But I think also people keep talking about like, oh, is Instagram dying? Is influencer culture dying? The fact that we've seen content in this form, pretty recognizably in this form, for the better part of 10 years, I, there's some staying power here. And this is something that is only going to get more complex. It's only going to get more fractured and more personal feeling and more, you know, monetized. It's just going to so change. It's worth being aware of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not as we it's get not smarter, dying it just because morphs. the form of it that you were aware of 10 years ago doesn't seem to be around anymore. It just means it's evolved and changed into something that is more effective in our current social and economic systems. So, um, yeah, stay safe out there, kids. <laughs> <laughs> that was very schoolhouse rock of you. <laughs> Laura, do you have any, like closing statements any just like final thoughts um I think my closing statement might seem a little bit hypocritical but it's keep vlogging your life especially if you're not living mm -hmm. an aesthetic influencer girly life I love seeing people's little moments that they thought were special enough to share and I think the more real life we're able to show um you know the less power that that perfectly curated facade holds. So, uh, uh, romanticize your life. Yeah, your life is worth living and sharing, even if you're not that girl. Absolutely. I think that's like the best kept secret of all time is, you know, anytime I talk to someone who's like kind of intrigued by content stuff, it's like, do you know how fascinating you are like if I got the opportunity to go through somebody else's nightstand or somebody else's fridge that's like my dream so like just get online and start talking you know what I mean like you are so interesting yeah. just by being a person who does the things the way you do them and you're even more interesting if you're not doing it the same way all the other Pinterest dip tea coal 30 girlies are you know yeah, like it sounds so cheesy, but it's so true that it is our uniqueness that makes us all so wonderful and special and like makes our world so rich because we're not all the same. So uh, I agree. Yes, we we actually need more vloggers. We need yeah. more people vlogging and romanticizing their unique, beautiful, wonderful lives. I like your spin on that. Mine, I think, was just that people are really nosy. <laughs> but yeah, I thought you were just saying that you're nosy. <laughs> oh, sure, I love it. That's fine. I'll I'll talk about my flaws on the internet. That's that's what's keeping us sane. 
Well, listeners, if you want to hear more about our flaws and the intricacies of our minds, you can um, keep an ear open for, I think it's going to be our third full episode upload. We already recorded it. The sound quality is not amazing, um, but we do like a 20 questions and we're not talking about health and fitness that much. We're just talking about ourselves. So that's something you're interested. Definitely subscribe. (laughs) And if you have any questions or you want to you know chat with us um throw out future episode topics whatever anything that piqued your interest you can dm us at fit literate pod i don't know who's going to be checking those we haven't delegated that yet but i'm sure we'll find you um because i think we have two followers right now you and me um or you can we actually have three shout out to (gasps) my client rebecca who follows both of us and felt uh (laughs) she said that she felt very special and like she found out about a secret when she got the um instagram page recommended to her so (laughs) she needs a prize or something or like a t-shirt friend of the i know (laughs) how's this when we make our first merch Rebecca, you're getting a free piece of merch when we make something. Oh, absolutely. That, sound, that sounds appropriate. Um, and then we have an email. It's, what is it, Carolyn V and Laura G at Gmail. So if you've got like a voice note or something, if you want to send us some protein powders or anything like that, you can reach out there. Yeah. You and if you want to chat. tell us how much you love us, I would greatly appreciate that you do that publicly in the form of a podcast review. Because from what I've heard on every other podcast I've ever listened to, apparently those are really important for getting up in the rankings and having people find the show. And especially Spotify makes it super easy to do a star rating now they have a new a new Ah. little button and it's like one tap so oh one tap five stars beautiful please please tap us (laughs) all right thank you so much for listening everyone if you hung on until the end uh extra thank you this was this was a doozy but we will be back next week with mini episodes and then the week after that with another long one whoop whoop All right. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for listening. And we will uh, talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.